Welcome to the Growing Green Landscapes Podcast with Jeremiah Jennings. While still in his early 20s, Jeremiah already runs a successful six-figure lawn maintenance company. Listen in as he and his guests share the things that have brought them success that can help you in your business. As a young entrepreneur in the green industry, Jeremiah emphasizes the tips and tricks involved in running a lawn maintenance business while discussing the principles applying to all small businesses. If you're wanting to grow, become profitable and professional, you're in the right place. And now, here's your host, Jeremiah Jennings. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back into the Growing Green Landscapes podcast. This is your host, Jeremiah Jennings. Thank you all so much for tuning in to another episode today. I'm really excited for this one. It's going to be a really fun topic that's going to be discussed. We're going to discuss many things, but um, I have a really cool guest coming in here. He's an owner. Uh, he started multiple businesses. Uh, he's in a partner of one now, and he's got a lot of stuff to bring to the table. And we've become friends over the last couple months through some networking groups and uh, business stuff that we do together. So uh, I'll just go ahead and introduce y'all to him. His name is Taylor Philpot, and he is the a partner, or what do you say, owner, or just partner in Rogue Pest Solutions. Yeah, that's right. It, 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 either or, it, yeah, either or. So. It, it, I guess they're interchangeable, but anyway, that's that's what his title is. It doesn't really matter. He just he works hard and he makes good money and uh, has a fun time doing it. So he, he's got a good business uh, in the pest control world, and he's like I said, he's started and grown many businesses. So um, we're gonna hear from him and just kind of let him take the floor and br- tell us who he is and how, and how he got started and and what he's doing today and the journey to get here because it has been quite a journey from what we've just what little bit I know about him. But Taylor, you just go ahead and take it away. Yeah, man. Well, thank you so much for having me. I, uh, I'm super excited to be on the podcast. I hope and pray that anybody that's listening to this, that it adds value to you in your life, whether it's professionally or on a personal note. Um, just a little bit of background on me. So I have a wife. We've been married 11 years, and then we have three kids. They're nine, six, and four. And then from a career standpoint, I started my first business when I was 12 years old. So at 12 years old, I started cutting my grandmother's grass and her neighbors. And I would actually ride the lawnmower down the road with like a blower on one side, weed eater on the other, and a little gas can in my lap. And I would go around the neighborhood just asking who I could cut their grass. And uh, that grew into a successful business and uh, was really grateful for that. But the economy started to take a a downturn in 2007, and I lost a pretty good bit of customers and realized that, man, I'm not going to have the amount of money that I wanted to to have to go to college. I don't want to go into debt for college. So then I transitioned from that and went into the Air Force. I was in the Air Force for six and a half years and man, just learned so much, had so many leadership opportunities. I actually injured my neck and back. So I transitioned out of the military and that's when I decided I was actually going to go into ministry. And I was going to go through ministry school for two and a half years because I already had a bachelor's degree. didn't need to go and get the full-blown thing. So I was going to do a two and a half year program. And then um, landed in the pest control world of all places when I got out of the Air Force. So I went from fighter jets to killing bugs you know it was was really humbling man yeah it was it was it was pretty humbling but uh really it was kind of frustrated in the beginning with pest control until i saw the huge opportunity it was to serve people a lot of people as you know in the service industry just love to take advantage and rip people off and saw opportunity to just serve people from a pure heart and just make a difference in their lives so is when pest control began to light up. But then I finished ministry school after two and a half years. And then I went into ministry in the church. Didn't make a whole lot of money there. 
and decided that I was going to start my own business again. So I started a mosquito treatment company on the side. Um, it grew and it was really successful and I was super pumped to have that. But then we, uh, after being in the church world for two years, realized that we wanted to do ministry in the workplace and not ministry in the church. And so that's when we transitioned back home to Alabama. And I actually went to work for a friend who had just started a security company, um, you know, like home security, even business security. And uh, we grew that in a short period of time uh, to where, man, they're doing really good now, but ultimately realized that I wanted to to, to be the boss, I guess you could say. Yeah. I wanted to I wanted Don't to grow, grow somebody else's company. Grow yeah, that's own. right. I wanted to grow my own. So that's when I, I started talking to some friends that had a pest control business and um, ultimately ended up working a deal with them where I went into partnership with them. So our company is now Rogue Pest Solutions. And uh, man, we started that at the start of the year and it has just been a tremendous blessing um, in so many ways, um, just constantly growing and evaluating and getting better, making mistakes, realizing and what you need to do and not do and uh, ultimately just a huge opportunity to serve people and I've been super thankful for how many people have supported our business and continue to support you know you're a customer mm-hmm. um, but I'm ultimately really pumped that I don't have to cut my own grass anymore you know yeah. I don't have to cut grass at all anymore you know I had that lawn care business as a kid and if I never have to cut a blade of grass again I'll be okay with that so I'm thankful you cut my grass yeah that's right you got a good <laughs> good business deal worked out there I cut your grass and you treat my house. That's so, right. For bugs. But <laughs> we're each paying customers, though. We, we don't trade out services. No, nope, that's right. That is a bad thing yeah, to do. I don't do that. I do not advise that. Yeah. We, won't, we don't need to get into all no, that. No, we that, don't. That, that that's be a, a rabbit topic. trail. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's a long rabbit trail. <laughs> that's but, right. Well, let's kind of go into uh, kind of some business topics here. As, as I said back when I started this podcast, um, it is the Growing Green Landscapes podcast. That's the name of it. But this is going to be... And there's going to be a lot of landscapers, lawn maintenance people on the show um, because that's the we're targeting a lot of the, that audience. But I do want to bring on other people out of other businesses to talk business principles that apply to everyone. And um, that's kind of something that Caleb Allman does with the Kid Contractor pro- Podcast. Uh, he, he's a hardscaper, but he brings on a lot of other people because, as he says, whether it be a pizza shop or a landscaping business or a pest control company, they're business principles that we all deal with and the stuff we all have to go through from hiring employees to uh, retaining customers, all that stuff. So um, that's kind of what this is going to be about today. We're going to talk about a lot of different stuff. It's not going to be that necessarily landscaping related, um, but I think that if you own your own landscape company, you can take a lot out of it. Um, so kind of just, we have a little outline here. You have some notes that you want to talk about. So kind of just start on that and let everybody hear some of your thoughts and stuff that we've kind of discussed off, off air that I think is going to really benefit everybody. Yeah, absolutely. So the first thing I just wanted to talk about is, uh, starting your business. You know, maybe you are the person that's listening to this, that you have a business idea and you want to go and run with it, but you don't know where to start. Or maybe you're an entrepreneur and you're doing something that's bringing in income, but you hate what you're doing. You know, there's a lot of people that, man, they get into something because just it everything falls into place and then they realize it's not really something that they're passionate about. Mm-hmm. So I believe the first thing in starting a, a successful long-term business is that you have to be passionate about your product. So my product is not 
like pest control. My product is serving people. So I could serve people in a lot of different avenues. The the street that I'm just walking down right now is through the, through the pest control street. You know, I have the opportunity to provide termite, pests, and mosquito services to people. I'm passionate about serving them. I'm passionate about saving them money. I'm passionate about making sure that they get the best product on the market without getting ripped off. You know, there's only probably two or three other pest control companies that I would recommend to someone else to use Mm -hmm. because there's just so many out there that take advantage and do the wrong thing. And, you know, you could look at the service industry as a whole and see a lot of bad apples out there, but that's probably because the person's not passionate about what they're doing. They're passionate about making money. They're greedy. They're passionate about, you know, X, Y, and Z, but it's not about their product. So one, you got to find something that you're passionate about, but you have to go at it from a servant hearted mindset. Like I don't wake up every day and think about how much money I'm going to make today. I don't think about like, okay, what is it that I'm going to do to make six figures this year? Like, no, I go out and serve people first and I do right by people, which means I could go to someone's house and realize that it's not a good fit. Like whether it be like what they are looking for is not a service that I can provide or for example, the biggest thing that I can sell someone and I can convince anybody to get it is a mosquito treatment. We live in the South Alabama mosquitoes will carry you away, but there's certain properties that I have found out that mosquito treatment will either not be effective or they're just not going to have a mosquito problem Mm -hmm. as a whole. So I have to make a call or my team has to make a call. Like, do we actually sell them mosquito treatment if they don't need it? Of course not. We're not going to do that. But if we were looking at, if the, if it was reversed, if we weren't focused on serving people and we were just focused on making money, we could go and sell something that they don't actually need. Yeah, of course. So for me, it's like, you got to be passionate about your product, but you got to go at it with a servant hearted mindset. And at the end of the day, if you say no to a customer for whatever reason that you can't take care of them, and maybe that customer doesn't refer you to anyone, but like ultimately at the end of the day, I believe that God is going to see that and he's going to honor that. Like I've told no, I've said no to somebody before and you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be like, no, we're not going to provide you service. It's just like, Hey, we can't take care of you, but here's some companies who may can. Yeah. We're not going to be a good fit for you, but I'm going to help you find someone that will. That's exactly right. I'll still help them find a solution. So it's like rogue pest solutions. Like I might not be able to find their specific solution to the problem. Like for example, like I can't treat past 10 feet outside the foundation of the home because my license restricts me. I could go spray a product and I could kill something illegally, Mm -hmm. you know, like not legal, but I could refer a lawn care company to go and take care of that for them. Yeah. I don't have to do that, but I try to find reputable lawn care companies in different areas to be able to take care of them. You know, the biggest thing going on right now is army worms are eating all the grass. So yeah. I need to know what dependable lawn care companies and reputable lawn care companies are out there that I can refer. Cause ultimately when you refer someone, that's your integrity. You're referring if your reputation. Yeah, on. that's exactly right. So, but you have a servant hearted mindset. It's always going to come back to you. God's going to honor it. And then the next thing is healthy profit margins. So you can have a really, I mean, incredible product that you're passionate about. You can have the biggest servant heart, but if your profit margins are terrible, you're not going to be successful because you do have to have profit margins. You have to profit to be able to grow, to be able to scale your business. You know, like I just got off the phone with my partner 
And we were talking about how another company's coming in and trying to take our customers, which that's completely fine if they want to come in and do that. I believe that the only competition that you really have in your industry, whatever industry that is, is yourself. Yourself, yeah. Yeah, like if you're doing the right thing, you're taking care of customers, you're doing what you've promised and you have a good price, you don't have to worry about the competition. But this specific competition is coming in significantly lower in price. And when you factor out... You know, the the fuel cost, the truck, the product, the equipment, all of the things. I boiled it down to they're making $4.20 a quarter, like, in profit. And it's like, what? Like, how can you sustain? Well, they're looking at it from their own mindset of, like, as owners, like, they're making good money per house at that price, but they're never going to be able to scale and add employees. Yeah. So that kind of brings me to my next point is like, what are your goals for your company? Like, are you okay being a one man show for the rest of your life? Probably not a good decision because one day you're going to hurt your back. You're going to hurt your knee. You're going to be playing basketball and tearing ACL, or you're going to be trimming Trimming some hedge bushes and and you're going to cut your finger off. (laughs) And who's going to be out there while you're in the emergency room or you're in the hospital for a couple of days or you're recovering? Like who's going to be doing that work? If it's just you, the answer is nobody, which means you're going to lose customers because you're not going to provide service, you know, all the things. That's a hundred percent true. I mean, I firsthand experience. I would have, I mean, my business honestly might not have set afloat this year if I, if I was on my own, because I mean, I was out two weeks, um, with in prime cutting season here in Alabama, and I was out. And if I didn't have employees to help me, then I seriously might not have a business. So yep. it's that that's a real piece of advice for anybody that is solo is you can make good money solo, but just be looking to the future. Don't don't live in the moment. Yep, that's right. So. Yeah, I mean that's like just this month in July, I had two vacations planned. And then I realized that my wife just got back from a mental health intensive and I needed to go to a mental health intensive to better myself just for my own benefit, mm-hmm. for my family's benefit, but for my businesses. And if I didn't have a team in place or good people around me, like what would have happened the whole month of July when, you know, I had all these things planned and everything in line and then you know you throw a curveball in there and it's like man i didn't get to work a lot in july but everything still kept going yeah you know and there's a lot of times that you 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 think of a great business idea you have good margins but you don't write out a business plan or goals to where you want to be so then you end up being the one-man shop that something happens and then you're up to creek with no paddle you've lost income you're hurt whatever the case is but you ultimately can get to a place too if you don't put out goals in some type of business plan you don't price things right so your profit margins aren't high enough to even hire your first employee which is where these guys are getting to it's a it's a two-man show and their their prices in the pest control world are i mean oh man it's excessively low yeah they're never going to be able to hire an employee mm-hmm. i mean there's no way and so then they're going to have to go back to all their customers and say hey sorry we got to charge you more that's not going to be a happy customer. Mm-mm. So they're basically handcuffing themselves in the beginning before they even get started. Yeah. And so if you're a business owner out there or you're looking to start a business, you know, find something you're passionate about, have a servant-hearted mindset, make sure that you have healthy profit margins, but then write down your business plan and your goals ahead of getting started or stop right where you're at right now, like evaluate what your goals actually are and start putting in a plan to make make those, you know, achieve those goals. And then if you're the person that's out there and you're like, I don't even know where to start 
Well, the first place that I would start, if you've got the passion for your product and you have a servant heart, then I would go ahead and obviously evaluate the profit margins right down the goal and the plan. But I'd go ahead and set up an LLC there, you know, for I think $450, I can connect you with an attorney today and get you started. You could have a business tomorrow and then you could start taking advantage of all the tax savings, all the write-offs. And that's a whole nother podcast topic of tax savings. But like I told my friend, we went to breakfast one time and he was like, man, I've been wanting to do this. It's my dream. It's my goal. I said this. And I said, well, what's preventing you from starting your LLC? He's like, well, you know, financially we're trying to do this. We're trying to be debt free. I was like, that's fine, man. I'll pay for it. And I was like, I'll, I'll invest the first seed. Like I'll, I'll sow it. And he's like, why would you do that? And I'm like, because I believe in, like you have a passion for your product. You have a servant heart and the world needs you to lead your business. Mm. Like you see this gap out there. You see that this is a need. Like you need to go out and you need to do it. And you're telling me, and I have the ability to do this for you. Like, why would, why would I not just open that door for you? And he called me not too long ago and he's like, man, I got my first contract. Got my first, but if he wouldn't have had the LLC set up, yeah. he couldn't have said yes to that contract. Yeah. So if you're listening to this, just go ahead and start your LLC. I think you can do it for like 270 to $350 by yourself, or you could pay an attorney like a hundred bucks and have them do all of it for yeah. you. And I would recommend doing that. I would recommend yeah, having me somebody too. To help you out. <laughs> just so you know that and, – and find somebody that you know you can trust um, that it's not going to do you wrong. But just – if you have somebody you can trust to do it, then get them to do it because then you know that nothing's going to get missed. And That's right. And my accountant talked to me about it one day. He's like, we can do it. I can help you do it. You can do it on your own. If you really need to save the money, then yeah. But to me, it's worth the extra. Whether it be 100 bucks or three or 400 bucks, it's still worth it in the long run to – have that professional advice because that's if you're whether you're a landscaper or pest control, whatever your business is, you're not in the business to create LLCs. Like that's, that's not right. your profession. Yep. So find somebody who is that's their niche and, and go let them do it and do it the right way. Yeah. And so. if and if you set a goal and a plan in place and your goal is to grow your business and scale it and sell it in ten years you're going to wish you would have set up that LLC with the professional on the front end. Cause Absolutely. when you go to sell it, you're going to be in a mess if you didn't. Yep. And you know, for me, it's like there was, there was two points of like, I needed to file something the attorneys filed for me and something my accountant filed for me. I still don't even know what that was. I know that I had to file it within so many days. And if I wouldn't, it would have been bad. I, I didn't know that. Yeah. They know that. That's why I pay them for a service exactly. and it's a minimal fee to do so. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to transition now to talking about core values. So we were having a conversation earlier, you know, I asked you like, what are your core values? Mm -hmm. And I said, we're still figuring them out. Still figuring it out. Yeah. But like, you know what you want growing green landscapes to be, right? In my head. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody, I think, and I think everybody probably does a little bit, but you can go into what you need, what you're going to say about it. Yeah. So like if I went up to your employees right now and asked them, Hey, what are the core values of growing green landscapes? what would they say? They would all say something different, right? (laughs) They'd be like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Well, the whole reason that you need to have core values is one. So you embody them. Like, you know what your heartbeat is of your company, but then also, so your employees embody them. You know, for us at Rogue Pest Solutions, it's service, safety, and giving. 
So service is creating an exceptional customer service experience. Safety is everything that we do. We do it safely. And then the last thing is giving. Like, so we give back a portion of our revenue back to the local community and charity. But what does that mean for a, a, a solutions rep? What does that mean for a pest professional? Well, it means giving of your time or your effort. Maybe you have a, a customer, you, you see their trash can at the end of the driveway that's up a hill, you know, and they've got to drag that at some point up that hill. Well, maybe you could just go get it for them because you see it's already been emptied by mm -hmm. the trash company. You're going to pull it up to the top of the hill for them. You yeah. saved. It's a small thing, but that's giving of your time and giving of your energy that most people are not going to do. So it's just looking at your core values, defining them. You have to embody them, but also like your team has to embody them. But if they don't know what they are in the first place, then, you know, it's like everybody's just kind of going their own way. Yeah. And then, you know, you have this vision of what your company is, but you're ultimately just creating dive vision. Like this person's going this way, this person's going, and it looks like a tree root system. Everybody's kind of going their own way. And you're like, yeah, we're all kind of like rooted in the dirt somewhere. It was growing green landscapes or with rope, you know, it's like whatever your company is like, we're still kind of all in the same dirt, but it, we're all kind of going a different direction because we don't really know what direction we're supposed to go mm. in. Yeah. So it makes a, it makes a big difference. And then that ultimately defines what your culture is going to be like your core values define your culture. And then, then you can use those core values for employee evaluation. So like from a service standpoint, what creates an exceptional customer service experience? Well, for our pest professionals, it's really easy. It's communication. You know, that's crazy that sending a text message the day before service, it's a simple thing, but that sets us apart so drastically from the competition. Absolutely. And then yeah. leaving a card behind that says, hey, these are the services that we performed. You know, like, hey, this is what we did today at your house. Thank you for being a customer. And then not only does it, it, it's like from start to finish, it's like a, a communication sandwich. Like you've mm -hmm. told them you're coming, you leave a card, they know you've been here, but something so simple, but it makes such a huge difference when it comes to customer service. So you can take those and say, okay, on a scale of one to five, what, where do you feel like you can take this in employee evaluations and I can give it to one of my press professionals and I can have them rate themselves on a scale of one to five where they are at on service, safety, and giving. So a good example for service on a scale of one to five is one that you just don't operate in service. You're not good with customer service. You forget to communicate with customers. You don't leave cards behind. A two is like on occasion, I communicate with customers and on occasion, I leave a card behind. Number three is that I, I text message customers. Sometimes I forget to leave the card behind. Like number four is that I text customers and I always leave the card behind. And then number five is I do this so well that other people in the company ask me how they can get better at doing it. So they can evaluate themselves and you can give them handlebars on where they're at in their core values and where they're at in their own evaluation. And then 99% of the time that I've done evaluations like this, the person gives me like they evaluate their self and they give me what I was going to tell them in the first place like I see it but they already see it too they yeah. know where they lack so it gives me an easy conversation tool to be able to say you know what I would love to come alongside you and help you like I'm really good at being organized and if you just had this this little planner and every time 
you had this happen, you just wrote it down at the end of your day, you reviewed it, and then you just made sure you called all those customers back or you texted them or you did this. I mean, just a simple little tool. And then it took it from a, like, you're doing wrong to I'm needing help conversation. Mm -hmm. Like, instead of me telling them what they're doing wrong, they're telling me what they need help with. Yeah, And then I can come at that from a servant-hearted perspective as well. So your core values are super important when it comes to employee evaluations and then it actually saves you when it comes to to hiring and firing because you already know what you're looking for and then you already know when you need to say no to hiring somebody you know if they're not a good culture fit and you can be in a situation where i know there's probably people listening they're like man i just wish a a human body would walk through the door to be able to press this one button every day because yeah. I need to hire somebody so bad. I know that there's a, a big shortage of employees because of everything with COVID the last year and a half. But, you know, sometimes you have to hire in a pinch. But if you have the ability to plan out and set goals and find somebody that is right for your culture and say yes to the right culture fit, you can teach them the skill set. Yeah, I would rather find somebody that knows nothing about pest control and teach them everything about pest control. But I can't teach them like how to have integrity, how to take care of people, how to do the right thing, how to like, show, how to up, show on up on time. <laughs> like I can't teach good. people yeah. that. Yeah. Um, if they can do all those, if they can have a good attitude, yep. I mean, Lord, if I can just get somebody with a good attitude, I can teach them anything, yep. you know, but I can't teach them the basics. They say that like, I think zero to five years old is when you form everything in your brain when it comes to like right and wrong yes. in your basics of character. Like I need to find somebody that learned that zero to five. I don't need to be teaching them at 35, exactly. 45 years old yep. how to be an adult and do the right thing. So I want to find people that are a good culture fit. So I don't have to ultimately fire them, you know, at the end of the day, but then also I'm going to look for people with diversity. So I want to find people that fit the culture, but that doesn't mean they have to look like me. That don't mean they have to talk like me. I don't mean they have to do everything like me. And a lot of times we'll surround ourselves with people who are like us. And then you wonder why things go wrong because when I, I was in the air force one time and I got, I was tasked with building this team. And I didn't purposely do this, but I hired, uh, not hired, I brought in, you don't really hire people that are already in yeah. the Air Force, but I brought in and selected these people to be on my team. They were black, Hispanic, um, Asian, came from this cultural background, this ethnic background, all of these different things. And to this day, it is the absolute best team that I've ever been a part of. And I would say led, but... I didn't have to lead them because it was so much diversity and so many differing opinions. We got to such an exponential result. You know, you've heard the term synergy before. You have energy, but then it's like this supernatural form of energy that comes into play when you have synergy because you have all the right people on the team. And together, they can make such a larger impact than otherwise yeah so it was just like such a unique synergy because of that diversity so i'm looking for people who have diversity they don't all have to be like me look like me talk like me Um, but also i want to make sure i find somebody that's a cultural fit and it brings by by having that diversity you bring in other people that uh, like you said don't look like you don't talk like you uh it you're going to reach a different demographic demographic of people also i believe your clientele is going to vary so you're not going to just be stuck in one one area of town or one neighborhood, something like that. You're gonna you're gonna pick up your business is going to expand by that because um, they see that oh you're not a racist or you're not your company is not based on those beliefs or anything like that. Um, and that's huge. I mean, it's just one of those things that it's 
we're dealing with every day in the U.S. and then all across the world. Um, but by hiring those different people, those different people, I'm sorry, um, it just it, it betters you. It betters your That's exactly right you, because you're not you're not. I heard I want somebody heard somebody say that if you're in a room and you're the smartest person in the room, you need to find a different room yeah. to be in because right. you need to be always you need to always be learning from somebody. And by bringing in those different cultures and um, whether it be race or, or whatever it may be, they're going to teach you something that you didn't know because they're not like you. Like yep. th- that's it's going to benefit you, but it's also going to benefit your business. Yep. And, and there's so much you can learn from that. Yeah, that's right. And I mean, really, it teaches you a whole nother level of empathy. Yeah. You know, like we, me and my wife, we went through loss this past year of losing a child, and I'd never experienced. Um, a level of hurt and pain like that, but also it was like a whole nother level of empathy. And I can think back to when I was with an, with another company and we hired a guy who was 100%, like his primary language was Spanish and he could translate like nobody's business. And it unlocked an entire community of Hispanics that we were not able to get into before. Mm -hmm. And these people were so grateful that we had him on our team because he could translate and we could help them. I mean, some people were living in horrendous pest control situations that like were so bad that the bugs were biting them Mm. because they had ran out of a food source. Mm. And these people are crying, like saying, I don't care how much they had the money. Yeah. They just didn't have anybody that could translate to be able to get them the service that they needed. That's and crazy. Then, yeah, it was just crazy to think about that, you know, hiring diversity doesn't mean like we just, oh, we want to be a diverse company because we want to show people this or show people that. It's like it literally opens up your eyes to so many more things that are out there that you just don't realize. You know, it, we hired somebody that was from India mm. and he had a lot of Indian friends. And then I realized there's a huge Indian community in Birmingham that I didn't even realize existed. Yeah. You would ever know. Yeah. And they're the greatest people, great culture. I mean, it's just phenomenal what you can learn from them, but yeah, it's not to go too far off of a rabbit trail, but yeah, it's just, it's just really cool. Diversity is so important. And I think growing up in the South and predominantly white small towns, like I grew up in, like, I think there was like, God, maybe 15 black people that went to my school, mm. like three or four Hispanic people. And then I joined the Air Force and it's the most diverse place ever. Yeah. It just opened up my eyes and realized I had so much to learn, had so much to gain. And uh, man, just come some of the best friends with some of the best people out there. And if I would have stayed closed minded and not been willing to, to see people's different views and perspectives, Man, I would have been so limited in my ability to grow and to, you know, like you said earlier, it's like if you're the smartest person in the room, um, well, one, you're probably prideful and arrogant and you're probably a jerk and I probably don't want to hang out with you anyways. Yeah. But if you're the smartest person in the room, you probably have other things going on. That's right. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, like if you're surrounding yourself with diversity on all kinds of levels, then I believe you're going to be successful. Yeah, I, I agree with that 100%. It's just... In business, in in personal life, outside of business, you should be doing the same thing. You surround yourself with friends that are diverse, and um, it, it'll just teach you so much down the road and and stuff you can implement in your business. But that's a that's a whole other topic we can get into a whole other day. But um, just cool little snippet of of what um, how you can use that to help you in your business. But um, so time management, that's a big thing that I wanted to talk about today. Is um, and I think you're pretty good at this. We did a little. 
a breakdown earlier of, of how to manage your time. And I'll let you kind of go into that. You've done it done it more than I have. So kind of to discuss time management with it, uh, you and your own business, and also like how your employees, making sure they manage their time the right way, and you're not having guys on the clock that are just getting paid to sit at the gas station and all that. So I'll kind of let you go into that. Yeah, so pest control is a unique um, thing when it comes to time management because it's obvious if you're not doing your job or not. Um, we don't pay people by the hour. We pay them by the job. And, um, once you grow to a certain level, you know, they, it's kind of like the, uh, I think UPS does this, but it's like a commissioned route, so mm-hmm. to speak. So whether they finish, you know, there's usually 20 work days in a month on average. Um, you know, whether you finish all of your stops, so to speak, all your customer stops in 10 days or you finish them in 20 days, I don't care as long as you're taking care of the customers the right way. So I don't care if our guys are working two days. If they're getting to all the customers and doing the right thing and taking care of them, then we win at the end of the day and they have all their free time. But let's talk about time management from a business owner standpoint. So the number one thing I see that business owners do is devalue their own time. Like, so for me, my goal was to, every time I step foot out of the door, I wanted to be making, let's just, for example, let's say every time I step foot out of the door, I wanted to be making $100 an hour. Mm-hmm. Well, I have to be making decisions that put me in a place to make $100 an hour. I could probably go out and work my tail off and make $100 an hour in profit for the business. But what I, what what happens when I want to make $250 an hour or $500 an hour or $1,000 an hour. Like every time I put my time into the business, what am I getting out of that return? So you can put it in all kinds of goals, monetarily speaking. Um, but for me, the reason I, I bring that up is because a lot of business owners don't ever put a number to their own time. If you were to have a public speaker come in and they wanted to you know, you wanted them to hire hire them to come in to teach your team something, there's going to be a number to that because they've realized what their time is worth. You know, mm-hmm. motivational speaker, public speaker, whatever the case is, they're going to come in and say, yeah, sure, I'll teach your team for $2,500. You know, like, man, $2,500? Yeah. Well, they've just realized what they're worth and what their wisdom and their knowledge is worth. So it's like, man, well, that got me thinking of like, well, what is my time worth? You know, is it, worth $10 an hour? Is it worth $20 an hour? Like, what is it worth on a scale? So you have to evaluate what is it worth to you? Like, what do you want it to be? Like, what do you feel like your value is to the company? Like, what are the things that only you can do? And most of the time, the only things that you can do, like you think, oh, well, I have to do 50% of this or I have to do 70% of this. Really, I believe your best yes is saying no to 99% of the things in your business and yes to that 1%, it's going to make the entire 100% grow yep. and get better. So if you're out in your world, if you're the one out there with your crew every single day cutting grass, then yeah, maybe there's a season that you have to be that way. But what is the time that you can use to make sure that you're not that guy? Because if you're out there cutting grass every day for the next 20 years, one, your body's going to be completely broken down. But then two, it's like your business is probably not going to be, it's not going to probably grow at all. It's going to be the same thing in 20 years as it is in two years. You can make money. You're just not going to get any bigger. And in 20 years, your body, like you're saying, you're not going to be able to go out and do it every day. So you're going to be in a big old 
bond. Yep. Yeah, I know a guy who's got a grass cutting business. He's probably in his mid to late forties now, and he started having all issues with his body. And he's like the only one. And like him and his like his son will help him here and there. He's a teenager, mm-hmm. but like he's built this whole empire of a lawn care business on himself. Yeah, and now he's having health issues, and his family's literally taking a seventy percent hit on their income. They have this huge house to pay for, nice car, you know, all these things, and they can't do it because his body's starting to break yeah. down because he didn't set up things for the long haul. So time management. So I wanted to do this exercise. I did it with you before we got started, but I kind of wanted to run people through this exercise. So we did this exercise where you take, obviously, how many hours are in a week, in a seven-day week, and then how many hours are in a work week, five days a week. So you write out... Um, for the exercise, let's do 24-7, for example. So that's 168 hours in your week. You said that you need seven hours of sleep a night, so that's 49 hours. I personally need eight hours of sleep. I love sleep. It's, it's a beautiful thing. It's good for me. Yeah, so you said you needed 49 hours of sleep. You said you spent 45 hours actually out working in the field. And then on the back end of invoicing customers and doing different admin tasks, you're spending four hours a week on that. Family time, wife time, you're spending about 28 hours, which is great. Always invest in your marriage. And then, um, you know, eventually kids one day. Yep. You got your dog. That's right. The dog is going. I hope you can't hear it in the background. She's locked outside right now, and she is (laughs) not happy to be out there, but... Yeah, uh, she's she's been a good first child. That's I'll tell right. you, I'll tell you, anybody you somewhere, anybody that does not have a kid yet, if you if you want to see what it's like, get a puppy. Because I'm <laughs> telling you, there's so many there's so many comparisons in them that it's not even it's not even funny. From yeah. getting up in the middle of the night to let it out to it peeing and pooping and cleaning it up. Like <laughs> I mean, it's crazy how much. I mean, I forget how many there were now because she's not a puppy anymore. But I remember when I was in that stage of doing all that stuff, I was like. This is insane because we had a we had a friends that had a baby at the exact same time, so we would like discuss the same <laughs> things. I was like, yeah, they would say, yeah, we did this, we did this with uh, Caleb, and I was like, yeah, I did that with Marley too, the dog. Yeah, but yeah, after a, after having three kids, I would I would rather have kids than I would rather have a dog. We have a dog now, and I'm yeah. just like, man, I wish I could get rid of him every day. Yeah, I know. I, I run over its poop in your yard all the time. So. <laughs> That's actually probably the neighbor's poop in in your fence. Yeah, they just throw it over the fence. Yeah, I'm no, sure. I'm just kidding. Yeah, I'm sure. That's how it goes. <laughs> okay, so you have 168 hours in a seven-day week, 49 hours of sleep, 45 hours working, four hours of admin, 28 hours, 10, 28 hours of family time, 10 hours of exercise. That leaves you a whopping 32 hours to do what you want with. Mm-hmm. So what do you feel like you usually use that time to do? Waste it. Scroll on Facebook, Instagram, something like that, you know. So what's the first thing that pops in your head? Like, wow, I have 32 extra hours across seven days. Yeah. Um, what would you do with it to better your business right now? Uh, I think for me at this point in my business, I think I would probably read. I should read more. I need to read more business books. Um, now, I don't I don't feel like that's across the board because people that are 40 have probably read a lot of business books. Mm-hmm. But I'm still kind of young starting now, so I should feel like I should really study business side of the business that the principles and stuff involved i think that's what i should be doing that's awesome yeah i heard a saying one time that basically zero to 30 is like your learn your learning years yeah and then 30 to 40 is your earning years and then 40 plus is supposed to be your legacy years like what are you doing with what you've been taught to get that's good Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah. So I really implemented that. I'm 30 now. 
and I really learned a lot. And it's amazing, like stuff that I listened to back when I was 20, 21 years old, I can spit out today and I'm like, where did that even come from? How do I even know that? And it's mm-hmm. like from some book or audiobook or podcast I listened to 10 years ago, but I can use it today to implement things that help me be successful. Yeah. So I think that's a great next step. So if you're listening to this, I would advise you to to do a, an exercise. We did it on a five day, just a work week. And it still came that down in a work week, you have six hours of extra time mm-hmm. in yours. So it's like, okay, I have six hours, maybe one hour a day I spend reading a book or listening to a book. And then you can break this down as far as you want to. I mean, you can break it down. How much time are you spending on your phone? How much time are you spending checking emails? How many times are you you know, how much time are you spending talking to customers? How much time are you spending, you know, in the restroom? <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you, if you've ever worked in a corporate world, you're like, there's that one guy that's like got his, his bathroom breaks like timed to where he knows how much he's, you know, sticking it to the man in yep. the red tape, yep. you know, getting his time back because mm-hmm. he's going to the bathroom. It's just like, oh my gosh. But you can really break this down as far as you want to realize like, okay, after I do everything that I do in a week, I can still have X amount of time to give back to myself, whether it's through just, you know, self-improvement or it's through improving yourself for your business, for your marriage, whatever the case is. So time management's a huge thing, you know, so it kind of goes back to what I said earlier. You have to say yes to 1% and no to 99%. Like if it's something that you can give away to somebody else, you need to find a way to do that. Even if it means that you lose income, in the right now, you got to realize that's an investment in your future. Yeah. You know, if your your business is growing 15 to 20% year over year for 10 years because you're investing in the things that you need to say no to, that's way better return than you're ever going to get from the market. Mm-hmm. You know, average return, I think, is like 8 to 10%, maybe 12% in a good market um, <clears throat> over, you know, 10, 20-year period. But you can just invest back into your own self, into your business, say no to the things you need to say no to. The right way. Yeah, that's That's right. That's the big thing. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like if you're investing in the right things, Lord, you could be growing year over year 20, 30, 40%. Yeah. And just because you're saying no to 99% and yes to the one. That's, I mean, hey, that's all good stuff. It's stuff that uh, that I'm doing every day in my business. Um, The the, kind of going along with the whole, saying no to the to the wrong customers, picking up the right ones. Um, and also talking about your profit margins. It all knowing your numbers. That's what it's huge. And that's something that I don't know. I'm sure you've uh talked about it and, and in your business you know about it. Um but for me it is knowing my numbers is such a big thing because if I don't know what to charge on the yard and for any lawn bro out there, hardscape, whatever you're doing, if you're not knowing what you need to be charging. If you don't know what you need to be charging for that pest control service, that's like what you were saying earlier. The company charging four fifty or something like that. You're not going to scale your business. You're not going to grow right. off of that. And it's so easy to pick up the customers this time of year. I, the phone rings off the hook. It's insane. Um, I get three or four calls a day asking for people wanting work done and stuff. And if I said yes to every one of those, there's no way I could keep up with my current clientele. First off, so I would drop the quality of service in that, in that aspect. So they would become unhappy with me because I'm taking on work that is not profitable to me. I'm just trying to pick up the the quantity and not maintain the quality. Um, so that's huge. I think with, uh, the whole 
say no to certain things and also pick up the right ones. And then kind of another thing I wanted to hit on was uh, – delegating almost is what you could say when you used to talk about getting out of the field and what is your time worth for you you sh- you don't need to be the one doing the services on the houses you need to be the one selling and getting the leads and that type of stuff for me it's should i really be changing the oil in my lawnmowers probably not i should probably have an employee that comes in and does that before i before we start a day or at the end of a long day and uh, that's something that i'm working on every yeah, day or a rain day yeah a rain day the days that they're not gonna we're not gonna go out and make money but they can still come in and make money by doing that type of stuff that's right so it adds value to them and, you know you're 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 not losing money because yeah. if you were to take it to a service shop exactly you know they're going to charge you triple what you could just pay your guys to do and yeah. then they're learning a valuable skill yeah but that, and that, see this all kind of ties together because it, this goes back to one of our very first points and hiring your guys and creating that culture and um you can teach them anything but you got to get guys that one just have common sense mm-hmm. i mean that's a <laughs> I, there's a show down here i don't i mean it's a radio show popular down here they their slogan is common sense is a superpower and it is nowadays yeah. it's, it's a superpower because there's so many people that don't have it <laughs> so hire people with common sense but also the ones that just want to they really want to grow in the business and, and help benefit you. Yeah, that's and, right. Yeah, like so if you had your cultural values, your core values defined, and it's a rain day, and all the dudes, they just want to sleep in. Man. Yeah. Like, dude, the rain on the roof is hitting, and it just sounds good. Yeah. And I really want up. to sleep in. Okay, maybe let's sleep in. But, hey, nine, ten o'clock, let's meet at the house and do service on our equipment yeah. and take advantage of the downtime. Yeah. Because if you don't, you're going to be out in the field and something's going to break, something's not going to work, yeah. you know. I mean, you could even spool weed at your heads on yeah. rain days and just get ahead. Fill up with the gas. That's exactly right. Oh. You know, that's like I tell our guys all the time is, yes, you, you got 20 work days, and maybe you only have 15 days truly worth the work. Yeah. So you could take it light. You could work 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. and take off early mm-hmm. for the whole first week. But then what happens if it rains the whole next week? Yeah. Uh-oh. You're in trouble. That's right. Yeah. So you got to get ahead where you can, and every business has that. Yeah, I I totally agree with that. It's just using your time wisely and and hiring people that want to invest and grow in your company. And uh, I was listening to a podcast today, and they were talking about their employees are so crucial to their company because they feel like they're a part owner in the company, mm-hmm. and, and that's you can trust those people. You that's can trust right. them that when they have that mentality, and you make them feel that way. Yep. When you're when you're the owner and you say and you make that employee feel like they want to be there. It, That's it's right. not what can they bring to you, it's what can you bring to them. That's exactly right. It goes back to life. the servant hearted leadership we talked about. There's a podcast out there. Um, Craig Rochelle, he's a senior yeah. pastor of Life Church. He talks yep. about the owner's mindset, like having an ownership mindset. You know, it's like the people like we all know the people who leave their buggy or their shopping cart for yep. people who aren't from the south. That's called a shopping cart. Um so they leave their shopping cart like up against a car, like randomly up on a curb, or you could just return it back to the little cart thing. Yeah, It's like the people who are returning their cart have that ownership mindset. Are they going to step in and take care of it like the owner would, or are they going to have an employee's mindset and say, that's not my job? That's right. That's right. And I hit on this in the last podcast, what uh, kind of, we're going to wrap this thing up here pretty soon, but also in Craig's podcast, I heard him say was you can't lead others until you learn to lead yourself. And until you implement these, like you said, until you wrote down your goals of the business, until you figured out your core values, 
how are you going to ever implement that in your business and in your employees? You're never going to because you learned to lead yourself in those areas, and now you can take it to your team and your employees and say, hey, this is what we're going to do and implement them in your business. And um, that's just something that really hit home to me, and I, I'll probably take that down. I'll be saying that quote for years now, and it's yep. not mine by any means, but you, you can't lead others until you learn to lead yourself. That's exactly right, and that means having the hard conversation with yourself of like, what areas can I grow in yeah. in this season? What do I need to like change? If, if you have an employee that's complaining about something, they're complaining about something because you didn't do your job as the owner, as the leader. Like there is some type of disconnect and discord there. So like, what can you do to find unity on that topic? What can you do to make that employee's experience better? Like what can you do to serve them? Maybe it has nothing to do with you. Maybe them and their wife got in a fight last night and you just need to ask them how they're doing. Yeah. Like, Hey, I noticed this is off. Is everything okay in your life? Like, how are you doing? Can I pray for you? You know, little it's, things, it's like the that. little things that make yeah. all the difference. And, you know, I don't do everything perfect by any means. I'm not the perfect leader. I'm not the perfect business owner, but I always have this just long lasting desire to learn and to get better. Yeah. And I feel like the day that I stop wanting to get better and learn from my mistakes is the day that I must as well just quit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, you don't, and I've also heard this said is you don't learn anything in your successes. It's that's when right. you fail. That's when you. Yep. That's when you really learn all the principles that you need to learn and how to fix the broken things and stuff like that. But man, it's been a super super fun podcast. A lot of topics here t- today, and I hope they've benefited y'all like they benefited me. Uh, Taylor's a really knowledgeable guy. He's grown multiple businesses, like we said. Um, he's a great owner. He's a great leader to his team. Uh, great leader to his family. And do you have anything you want to leave anybody with? Any final thoughts or? anything like that and if not where can we find you like on your social media you got facebook for rogue or anything like that yeah i've got uh facebook instagram you know personal pages as well um but if i could challenge you um you know if you're like me you've probably listened to a lot of podcasts or maybe this is your first podcast that you're listening to um i would just leave you with this take just one thing from this podcast and apply it to your life over the next month and let us know if it changes it, because I guarantee it will. But yeah. you can listen to all these things, not apply any of it, or you could just take one simple thing and apply it to your life, and I know it's going to make a difference. So that's what I would leave everybody with, just that challenge. Well, that's huge, man. That's I'm definitely going to do that, and I, and I hope that anybody listening does that. And if you do, like you, like you said, reach out and let us know. I would love to let Taylor know, and uh, you can DM us on Instagram, anything like that. But uh, just Rogue Pest Solutions on social media, I'm assuming. Is that yep, it? that's right. Okay. So you can go check them out on there. Go connect with Taylor. Um, tell him if you enjoyed the show. Go tell him you enjoyed the show and all that. Um, if you're in our area, you need pest pest solutions. Uh, hit him up and he'll come take care of you. And in, in around our uh, local area, he goes a pretty good way. So um, always taking on new clients, growing his business, and succeeding every day. So I'm a. Uh, we're gonna wrap this one up here. I've I've had a great time today, and we're, we're doing this one kind of late at night. Um, and it's, we had multiple distractions going on earlier, so I'm glad we got this one done. I hope y'all enjoyed it. And, uh, I can't wait to catch up with y'all on the next one. Like I say, always leave those important ratings and reviews. Uh, you can connect with us on, uh, Instagram at growing green landscapes. If you screenshot the, that you're listening to the podcast and share it, we'll repost it, tag us and all that fun stuff. But, uh, Taylor, if you don't have anything else, we're going to wrap this one up, man. Man, just thanks for having me. I appreciate you. Absolutely. uh, Investing your time in me. 
Absolutely. I appreciate your time and for being here. But, guys, I hope you all enjoyed this one. We're going to wrap this one up, and we'll see you all here on the next one. Thanks for tuning in to the Growing Green Landscapes podcast. We know you have many other podcast options to choose from, and don't take it for granted that you chose to spend some time with us today. You can connect with Jeremiah Jennings at Growing Green Landscapes on Instagram or use the link in the show description. Don't forget to smash the follow button on the podcast and leave those five-star ratings and reviews. We hope you crush it in your business and hope to catch you on our next episode.